Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Happy Easter. So glad to have you join us. If this is your first time, by the way, uh, joining us on our online service, we are so excited to have you on this big day. And we want to extend you certainly an, um, an extra special warm welcome. Well, who would ever have thought that when back in January, when we kicked off 2020, we would be celebrating Easter like this? Who would ever thought that the church would say to people, don't come to church, stay at home and celebrate Easter on our biggest day of the year, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You know, we had big plans uh, for this Easter, and about five weeks ago, they began to unravel. And then about three weeks ago, we changed things up. And then a couple weeks later, we changed it up again. And so plan A became plan B, and plan B became plan C, and plan C became plan D. In this season, it's good uh, to be flexible uh, for sure. But we're celebrating the resurrection, which was a game changer. The resurrection made everything that the crucifixion put on display as truth. And though we're not gathered physically together this morning, we can still celebrate the cross, the resurrection all across our city, across our country. And literally, they're, they're celebrating across the world. A, a billion plus people th today are, are shouting out, he is risen, he is risen, he is risen indeed. In fact, if you find yourself in your living room or lying in bed in your bedroom or in your dining room or kitchen or family room or out on the back porch or driving your car, shout it out, he is risen, he is risen indeed this morning. As I shared with you last week on Palm Sunday, I really believe that God is on the move in this season of pandemic that we're facing this morning. I am believing that there's going to be a spiritual breakthrough in our city and in our country and in our world. We're in the middle of a major global crisis, and you know what? Hope is rising. Hope is rising. I have been praying and trusting and believing that even this morning there could be life change take place. I, I really sense that God is among us this morning. Because of the cross, because of the resurrection, everything has changed. Jesus overcame sin. He overcame our fear. He overcame our shame. And then he wrapped us with his robe of righteousness. Oh, thank you, Lord, for giving us victory in Jesus. Thank you for paying that horrible price by suffering on the cross and paying the debt uh, that we owe. Thank you that in those three days, you conquered death. And we've never been the same this morning. Now, I, I realize this morning, there's probably people watching who, who have broken lives. They have broken dreams, and, and, and broken hearts, and, and broken relationships, and broken souls. And even in the midst of that, I want to declare this morning the goodness of God. Even in the middle of the COVID-19 virus, when fear and anxiety and despair and depression and uncertainty and loss of work and the threat of layoffs are on the horizon, God is good. Even in the midst where we've had to bury some loved ones this past week, 
Today we are going to declare the goodness of God. I want to read for you one of the most amazing verses in all of the Bible. It's Colossians 1.27. It says, God has chosen to make known among the people the glorious riches of his mystery. Now to me that's amazing what you read is almost impossible to, to comprehend. See, God didn't have to give us life. He chose to give us life. God chose. He didn't have to, but he chose to make known the glorious riches of his mystery. And do you know what that mystery is? Do you know what the, uh, God has chosen to tell us? Here's the mystery. It says that actually in the uh, latter part of verse uh, 27. Here's the mystery, that Christ is in you. The hope of glory. That is revolutionary. Sometimes we think, you know, God is just way up there. But he is in you. <laughs> that is the mystery. That is the glory. The hope of glory resides in you. Uh, to me, that's just crazy. If Christ is in you, <laughs> the hope of glory resides in you. I can hardly fathom that truth. Sometimes I feel like it just blows my mind to think that the hope of glory resides in us and God chose that for us. And because of that powerful truth, we can fear less. Today we're wrapping up our series called Fear Less. No better weekend to wrap up a series than on the day that we celebrate that death was defeated and therefore we can fear less because of what Jesus did for us. This week I was listening to a 40-year-old sermon that Billy Graham was preaching on an Easter weekend. And as I was listening to it, I thought, my goodness, that could be preached this weekend, April 12, 2020. Let me just read a couple of clips uh, from his sermon, his opening sermon. He says, you know, probably never in the history of the entire world has there ever been an Easter like this with more problems and more concerns. We've never had one like this before. There's suspicion and hatred on every side. Even the United Nations is confused and bewildered and mixed up. We've never had such international and national and domestic problems as we have now. <laughs> Boy, Billy could have preached that this weekend with all that is happening around the world. And today, I want us to go back to step back in time about 2,000 years ago. And I want, want us to see the three greatest moment, momentous days in all of human history. The three days that literally changed the course of history. Changed the history of the world. The course of civilization. Because on those three days, there was a death and a burial. But then there was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. On that Thursday... Things began to unravel fast in the middle of the night. Thursday, you know, night when the Passover had been celebrated, which is one of the biggest celebrations that the Jews have, people went to bed that night thinking it was, it was great. And then, of course, they wake up Friday morning and discover in the middle of the night that Jesus has been arrested, and word is spreading faster than any front-page newspaper can print the fact that Jesus was arrested. And, and, and honestly, they're shocked I mean, how quickly those who were in power could put into action the whipping and the crucifixion of Jesus. They wake up and discover that he's been arrested. By noon, he's hanging on a cross, and by evening, he's dead. And most of them were dazed. 
I mean, how did this change so fast? What went wrong? How does a man who just in the beginning of the week enters into Jerusalem, people are throwing their coats on the ground so he can walk on, and they're shouting, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And now, a few days later, they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. How quick things changed. And most of those who were following Jesus really thought there was something very special about this rabbi. I mean, he was a teacher. He was a miracle worker. And they had had put their hope that maybe with the idea that maybe, just maybe, Jesus was the Messiah. But now they're all over the map with their emotions. One thing is obvious, is those people would have thought, obviously Jesus was not the Messiah because we know God would never let the Messiah die. Things were moving so fast it was hard to figure out what had just happened. Honestly, when I say they were shocked, they were shocked. And they quickly take down the body of Jesus from the cross before Sabbath starts. And Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate, by the way, which took a lot of guts to go into the presence of Pilate and beg for the body of Jesus so they could bury him in his own tomb. In Mark chapter 16, which we're going to read from uh, this morning, it picks up the story on Sunday morning. You know, Friday, it was a sad day. Saturday was a day of silence. And then Sunday happens. I want to pick up the story. If you happen to have your Bibles with you or maybe some kind of electronic device, we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Um, picking up in verse 1. It says, when, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices. So that they, no, not brought, bought spices actually. So that they may, might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who is going to roll away the stone. I mean, in fact, the next verse is it's a very large stone. And as they're walking, they're realizing, well, how are we going to be able to even get into the tomb? There's no way that us two ladies are going to be able to move that uh, stone. Now, as they're going there, I, I'm thinking there's probably a lot of emotions, obviously. And maybe they're trying to look for some closure. I know that after my father died, uh, there was many times I, I went back to the gravesite just, I don't know, to reminisce and to think and to bring some closure to it all. And, and perhaps the ladies are going, yes, they're going to prepare Jesus' body, but I think there's also emotional closure that they're hoping to get when they go there. But the conversation is, well, who's going who's gonna to move it for us? It's just us two ladies that are coming. And then we discover that when they get there, the tombstone has been moved, which kind of startles them. And then they peek into the tomb, and it's empty. There's no body at all. And it almost seems like there's this ongoing nightmare of theirs that's taking place. In fact, Luke says the exact same thing, that the tomb was empty. Now, one thing that you need to know in this story, not one, <laughs> not one of Jesus' followers were looking for a resurrection 
resurrection. When those ladies went to the tomb, they were expecting, like everyone else, that there would be a body in that grave. And when they discover that it's empty, their conclusion was, oh my goodness, there must be a resurrection. They thought the same thing that you and I would have thought of. Someone has stolen the body. And, and that's their first conclusion. And then it tells us that they, they fled. They were terrified. I don't know. Maybe they thought they were being set up. But I don't know what was going through their minds. But they ran all the way back to the house where the disciples were. And in Luke chapter 24, if you look over in that passage of Scripture, you discover when the women arrive, the disciples are, like, are so skeptical of what the women are saying. In fact, this is what it says. They did not believe the women because their words seemed to be like nonsense to them. I mean, you just imagine them trying to get the message out. They've just run all the way from the tomb to the house. They're all out of breath, and they're just, they're panting, and they're, and they're trying to tell their story, and, and they're saying, the, the, the tomb is empty. I don't know where they've taken his body. It's been stolen. I don't know what to do. In fact, the angel had told them, tell the disciples that Jesus has gone ahead in Galilee, and they're telling that message too, and I am sure they're like, what, what, slow down. What are you saying? You're not making any sense. And then we find over Luke chapter 24, obviously Peter and John are curious as to what is happening. And so they're going to go to the tomb themselves and get some questions answered, like the who, the what, the where, the why, the how. It never crosses their mind, John or Peter, that Jesus might have rose from the dead. They're just going to go and try to simply put the pieces together as to what has happened. And of course, the story is John runs ahead. He was in better shape than Peter, an athlete. And he gets there and he peeks into the tomb first. He notices it's empty. And then Peter arrives and he looks in and the tomb is empty. And the Bible says they left there. Peter's trying to figure out what happened. Then you, when you read a little bit farther in Luke chapter 24, they go back to the house. You know what they do? They lock the doors. They lock the doors because they feared the Jews, the Bible said. They're frightened because they don't know what is next. And then that evening, Jesus appears to them. Not in a dream, but in person. And it says they were frightened. Yeah. And so would I have been if I had been there when they put a dead body in a tomb and then on Sunday afternoon, he's in my living room talking to me. Of course, I would be frightened. And Luke, it also says that Jesus told them, Jesus says to them, I told you that this was going to happen. And the disciples are like, I don't remember you telling me any story about you going to die and you're going to come back three days later. And he goes on to share with them. He says, I kept trying to point you to the law of Moses. I kept trying to point you to the prophets. I kept trying to point you to the Psalms that said that the, a Messiah would come and that he would rise again three days later. And then Jesus says to, the, to those who are in the room, to the disciples, and you are witnesses of all these things. The resurrection of Jesus is what birthed the Christian faith and launch the church. Jesus says to his disciples, what you have seen will be enough for you to go into all the world and tell the greatest story ever been told to mankind, that God loved people. He sent his son Jesus to die for their sins. The foundation of our Christian faith is an event. It's not a book. 
It's not a set of creeds. It's not a list of rules. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was such an extraordinary event, and it had profound implications. Profound, because it would impact people's fears and their hopes and their dreams. For just a moment, I want you to think about this. I mean, we talk about the Apostle Peter. You know, he preached at Pentecost and thousands of people uh, got saved. And we talk about the great work he was doing as a missionary after uh, Jesus' resurrection. But before that ever happened, <laughs> there was a lot going on in Peter's life. First, Peter believed. Uh, then he unbelieved. Then he denied that he ever believed. And then he believed again. <laughs> I mean, when Jesus called Peter to follow him, he believed. When Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night, it took, he took off running, and he no longer believed. And then he was confronted by a, some high school girl, and he denies that he ever believed. But then the resurrection happens, and he believes again. You know, maybe you are listening this morning and you have joined us because, you know, I don't know, someone invited you uh, to watch online. Maybe you lost a bet, and the consequences is you have to watch this online service on Easter weekend. But if you're listening, you might be like, like the disciples. You know, maybe you believe that Jesus is a, was a real person. I, I think 99.9% .9 of all historians believe that Jesus was a real person. He lived, and he died on earth. But here's what a lot of, many people disagree about. It's the resurrection. And maybe that's, maybe that's where you are. You say, you know, I like what Jesus stood for. Like he helped the marginalized. He elevated women in the society when they were kind of looked down on in a man's world. You like his teachings about, that he taught about kindness and compassion to one another. You like this whole idea of helping the poor. But as far as a resurrection, well, that's just too much for you. That's way out there. Well, if that is where you are this morning, let me tell you, you are in good company. Because not one, not one of Jesus' followers or disciples believed on that Sunday morning that Jesus had resurrected. Not even his closest followers like zilch, nato, zero, nobody was looking for a resurrection. I want you to know that the same God who took the tragedy of the crucifixion, turned it into a celebration, uh, uh, a, resur a resurrection celebration, is the same God who declares to you an unconditional love for you. I feel like we need this message more than we've ever needed it in our lifetime. Like I said, there was a sad Friday. There was a silent Saturday. But there was a celebration Sunday. In three days, the followers of Jesus went from complete despair, lack of hope, lost it all, all of a sudden, that hope began to overflow for them. Everyone was struggling on that Friday. Dreams went up in smoke. Uh, uh, what they thought would be their future actually hit a brick wall. Their friend, 
the one who healed the sick and, and calmed the fearful and offered forgiveness of sinners. Friday, they, they beat him with no mercy, whipped him that he was beyond recognition, and then plastered his face with spit, and then crucified him in front of his family and friends. But that was Friday. Sunday was coming. And today, we celebrate that the cross is empty, the tomb is empty, death has been defeated, and the forgiveness of sin is offered to whoever would believe on the name of Jesus. Whoever. No matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how many times you've screwed up your life, the grace of God always goes a little bit farther than your sin. One of the probably the most famous verses in all the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever would believe on him would have eternal life. Whosoever. The invitation is open to anyone who would trust and believe that Jesus died for their sins. I am so thankful this morning that salvation has not been reserved for the super spiritual or the religious right wing. So glad that it is not based on how good I am, but it's totally 100% based on the love of God that would send his son to die, be sacrificed for our sin. I mean, you just can't make this kind of story up. It's beyond human understanding of such unconditional love, and today it flows freely from God the Father. The women who buried him on Friday returned on Sunday. They peeked in, and you know what they saw? They saw a vacant slab and an empty grave. But you know what was there? All of our sin left there in the corner. Do you know why Jesus cried out on, that, on the cross that day, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So you and I wouldn't have to make that same cry. When Jesus went to the cross, he took the coronavirus of our sin. No one can guarantee that any one of us will escape the coronavirus. But because of the cross and the resurrection, every one of us can escape the virus of sin. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus, I just want to, I want to encourage you, I implore you, say yes to Jesus. Like, accept the vaccine that has been provided for our sin. Accept Jesus as your Savior. Call out to him. I heard Max Lucado say yesterday, being affected by the coronavirus is a tragedy, but to be infected by the virus of sin is a disaster. God loves you. Like, he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he would offer you the forgiveness of sin. If you've never made that decision, 
the call on him, I urge you today, call on him, whosoever will. The invitation is open to you. I feel like the pandemic, global pandemic that we're experiencing is a wake-up call. It tells us just how fragile and uncertain life can be. So say yes to Jesus this morning. You know, if you would just pray in your own words, it's not words that save you, but it's your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. But you could pray something like this. Lord Jesus, you've got my attention. You've got my attention. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died for my sin and rose again so that I may have the hope of glory reside in me. You know, if you were to pray something as simple as that, I want to be the first one to welcome you into the family of God. And as a church, we would love to be able to, you know, we'd send you some some information to help you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you're watching and you don't own a Bible, we'd love to mail you a Bible so you can dive into God's Word and read about this love of God that continues to be extended, to, to learn about the grace of God that always goes a little bit farther than where our sin has gone. And then, of course, I don't know where you may be watching from this morning, but when this whole uh, coronavirus is over and people can go back to church, I want to encourage you to go to a church that preaches the Bible, teaches the Bible. If you're living in Sarnia, we'd love to have you come and join us here at Temple Baptist. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.